How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensi. Tim, how's it going, sir? I'm not going to lie, riding that post-interview high. Oh, man, that high is very, very intoxicating. I'm not going to lie. So I got to ask, man, how has the weather been going in Calgary? Because when we talked last time, it was snowing. Did I actually mention that was snowing? Because I think last episode, like, I looked out my window and I was like, oh, shit. You know what's kind of amazing? What? That morning, by 10 a.m., half the snow had melted. So I didn't even have to shovel. It was pretty sick. Well, that's good. That's good. And I can So, cheat code. If you don't shovel the snow, maybe it just melts. Who's to say? Must be a Calgary thing, man, because honestly, it's not like that out here, where if we see snow outside, we're like, ah, shit, we definitely gotta shovel that shit out. No, this winter, if I didn't shovel, I would have been fucked. <laughs> it's just like my spring snowballs. Like, oh, it's supposed to be about ten degrees tomorrow. Just leave it. Yeah. Well, isn't that funny, Tim? Like last week, you were talking about buying a lawnmower, and now it's just like it's snowing outside. I'm back to lawnmower watch. Yeah. How is that thing going for you? Uh, I think we're definitely gonna go with like one of the manual ones. Just because, like. I went back and looked at my backyard and front yard. I'm like, I could barely fit like even a gas mower in here. What's the what's the point of getting anything other than just like a three hundred dollar push mower? Ah, fair enough, Tim. Fair enough. So, Tim, we've got a fully loaded episode this evening. But before we do anything, we gotta talk about our cover athlete because today's episode is season four, episode eleven, in chronological order. Episode 88, the Sens Call-Ups edition of the Third Line Plug Senscast. So, just a little backstory about the Sens Call-Up. The podcast was started in 2012 by Pan, Cardinal, and Canuck following the final episode of Sens Underground. They are currently in their ninth season of podcasting with their latest episode dropping yesterday. The show has had numerous guests over the years, including Ian Mendez, Bruce Garriock, and Jamie McLennan. So, Tim, I know that you're not a big podcast listener, if any. So, I got to ask, like, what are some of your thoughts when you hear the name Suns Columns? According to them, they have more than 100 episodes. Okay, so I might want to talk a little bit about that. Shut up. So, the reason why that we chose the Suns Columns to be our cover athlete for today's episode is because... They were hitting, in quotes, 100 episodes. Turns out, the Sens call-ups are actually closer to 200 episodes now. The iTunes count is a lie. And I only know this because the Sens call-ups called me out on that. Or should I should say, called us out on it, at Third Line Plug. And so... I just thought run the Twitter account. Let's be real. I know, but it's it. It was just still like one of those. Oh no, you got to be kidding! I can't believe I'm getting called out about this. And then I'm just like, well, you know, what are you guys talking about? I'm just counting the main episodes. They decided to double down. <laughs> Cardinal is doubling down if they're right. Cardinal, who runs the sends Twitter or sends Colts Twitter account, actually went back and he counted every main episode and it was still way over 100 episodes 
And I, I responded with like, well, what do you mean? Like, look at iTunes. And then Canuck, who's just like, yeah, it only counts to 100. I was a little surprised that a podcast that's been around for eight years only had 100 episodes. Nine years. Nine years, yeah. When if you're doing an episode every week for a year, you get to 102 years. But they're not, though. That's the thing, because there were certain seasons where they were doing it an episode every five weeks or something it was just just how based on their schedule is i know in the last year or so they have been a lot more consistent when it comes to episodes coming out you know in shorter duration so i think that's really cool as a listener and i think the one thing that we haven't even talked about when talking about the sense call-ups is the fact that we actually had one of their hosts on there are on this podcast a couple of years ago when Pan agreed to do an interview with that. And I know that we've talked a little bit about that interview. And I still think that's such a cool thing for somebody like myself who was, who goes from being a listener to the show to interviewing one of the guys. Like that is such a cool thing in the, when, in retrospect. And it was really awesome because it was one of our earlier interviews too. Like, yeah, like, for our first two seasons, and I guess arguably most of our seasons, we're pretty much nobody. So just be like, yeah, I'll come on your show. is super cool. One would still say we're still nobodies, but you know what? We're nobodies that's got 300-something followers on Twitter right now. Yeah. So I think the last thing I want to mention when he talks about the Sens call-ups is the fact that a few years ago when the Ottawa Senators were going through their troubles off the ice is that the senators actually reached out to them to be social media influencers. Now, do you recall any of this kind of stuff that you saw online off the top of your head? Funnily enough, the only time I ever heard about it was when Pam was talking about it. Like, I rarely saw anything out of it, out of the sense side, except for, like, Hot Sam Bacho coming on while Thomas Shabbat was playing. <laughs> So, Tim, we got to talk about next week's cover athlete poll. I know, right? We actually have a poll for one of our episodes. It's amazing. For next week's episode being Season 4, Episode 12, in chronological order, Episode 89. Now, we actually got three players on the board. We've got Mike Comrie, Corey Conacher, and Miguel Bodker. Man, are we going to be able to talk about two-time Senator Mike Comrie? Former girl, sorry, former girlfriend, former former partner of Hillary Duff. Well, if the response that I've gotten through our Twitter account, no. Currently, Miguel Bodker is leading. Uh, yo, do you think? What do you think? Mike Cobry would come on the show? Oh, not a chance in hell. Uh, gotcha. Not a chance. Not a chance. I think the reason why is because I would just want to sit down and get him to talk. 2007 Ottawa Senators stories off the ice. Like, how crazy was McGratton, Amory, Radden, himself, Joe Corvo, guys like that, right? Joe freaking Corvo, boys. Oh, be good stuff. Yeah, the only thing I can really comment about next week's cover athlete poll is I don't know if you noticed in the poll itself, there's actually a typo. Mike Comrie's Mike Comrie's name is spelt wrong. It's spelt Conroe. I have no idea how that ended up because I specifically wrote Comrie. My autocorrect on my iPhone decided 
Conroe was his name. Which leads to the question, Tim. Who the fuck is Mike Conroe? I think you're just going to have to take the L on that one, my dude. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not going to take the L on that one, but still. that It is my fault for not... You know, for not reading it before I, I put it up. So I'll definitely take the L on that one. So Tim, now that this comes to the time of the episode where I have to ask the all-important question... How has your week been going? Pretty good. Just busy with work requests and... Oh, I guess uh, I finally got around to editing our latest episode of Wild Wild Weiss about uh, a big set in the card game that just came out that's probably going to be best deck in format for a while, so uh, that was fun. I actually got to open... Pro- we opened and built decks with that as well, so uh, I get to be Tim Jetsy Meta Slave again. You know, Tim, you're lucky that this isn't the Third Lane Plug is War episode, because that would have been the name for this episode. What, Tim Jetsy Meta Slave? You know what? I think I'm just realizing now that I did not open with the fact that, yes, this is our Third Lane Plug is War episode today. I'm taking another L on that one, Tim. You know what? We're live. We're live. Fuck it. We're doing live. Fuck it. We'll just go, guys. Come on. I didn't think we'd be quoting... Was that Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity who threw that fit? O'Reilly. It was O'Reilly. I know it was one of the two. Yeah. Well, you know what, though, Tim? This is what we get for doing an exclusive interview before we recorded today's episode. Now, this would be the time of the episode where we would recap last week's episode, but I think that's the perfect segue into the fact that we got to do an exclusive interview this evening with... Former Ottawa Senator social media guy turned producer for the Wally and Mathot show, Craig Medaglia. That was so much fun, dude. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. I legit, I can't wait for everybody to hear that episode because Tim and I, you know, you and I had so much fun doing that episode. Craig had so much fun telling those stories and talking about his time. Honestly, I can't wait. And the fact is that... Excuse me, the Wally Mathot show has been a huge success. And the fact that it's such a fun show to listen to and to hear his, to hear him talk about his time with the Sens, hear him talk about the Wally Mathot show, and just to get some really great stories out of him. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it was great content. Best time I've had hearing about another dude's nuts. Honestly, 10 out of 10. If you haven't listened to it yet, it'll probably be on the SoundCloud when it's. When we're, when we're done putting this one up to, uh, go listen to that, honestly. You know, that is such an awkward thing to say, Tim. And I, but you know what? I think when people hear the episode, it will totally make sense why. Oh, come on. I think uh, awkward phrasing is uh, 10 for 10 Kino sends Sicko's material, and uh, we're going to stick with that. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess on this show... I guess anything goes after you mentioned about the silicone nutsack injections. I haven't thought about that in years. Oh, poor Kelly. I know. That's, you know what? That's a, probably the best thing we never did a Skype video when we had her on. Because her reaction would just be like, oh, good God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> how, I remember, I don't even remember how, why I brought it up in the first place. And then... Why it came up again? 
You know what it was? I think it was because... I don't remember how it came up the first time, but I think... I might have to go back and listen to the episode. I think as Kelly said something that I was just like, well, that's not as awkward. Did you hear what Tim said on the show? Uh, yeah, and it was quote Silicon Nutsacks. <laughs> well, Poor Tim... died, too, which is the worst. I know. I I'm, I'm too afraid down. to I'm too afraid to look up that because I'm just like I don't want my internet provider to be like what the hell is this guy reading? They don't judge. Not as hard oh, as they. I guess the other thing I realized is like it was a Zoom interview and like as we're talking I looked back and I realized oh shit my anime dollies are in clear view. Am I being judged at this moment? <laughs> he didn't say anything. Well, Craig didn't say anything, so we're good. Okay. Good stuff. So, Tim, while this episode has really gone off the rails at this part of the episode, I feel the best way to get it back onto track is to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. That's good radio, man. Like a fucking pro right there. Right down the middle, buddy. Right down the middle. So, Tim, for as great of a segue as that was... I can't segue into the fact that we need to talk about a death. And you know how I feel about talking about deaths on this show. You know, I hate talking about it. So we got to start off with talking about former St. Louis Blues defenseman Bob Plager passed away at the age of 78. Plager played 14 seasons in the National Hockey League with the New York Rangers and St. Louis Blues, recording 20 goals, 126 assists for 146 points in 644 games. Following his retirement in 1978, he began working for the Blues in numerous roles, including assistant general manager, vice president of hockey operations, and director of professional scouting. On February 2nd, 2017, he became the seventh player in Blues history to have his jersey retired. So the cool thing about this show is even though we have to talk about death and some of the really sad stuff that we need to talk about, I think the nice thing about it is that we do get to learn a bit about the person who ended up passing away. Bob Plager is not somebody off the top of my head that I could ever quote about or talk about. So it is kind of cool that I actually got to read and learn a little bit because that's the one thing about teams like the St. Louis Blues or the Nashville Predators or teams like this is that the people who work for the teams stay with them for such a long time that they became family. Yeah, and He's had a lot of success with the Blues. Uh, he was on that team in the 60s that came pretty darn close to winning the Stanley Cup. He won the he won a championship in the IHL with the Prairie Rivermen. Yeah, so, and then I believe he was on staff for a very long time with the St. Louis Blues. So, yeah, like, he's been in and around the Blues, and he's had a lot of success with them. So, it's, it's a life well lived. It is. It is a life well lived, and the fact is that he got his Stanley Cup ring a few years ago with the St. Louis Blues is actually really, really cool. So I think the one sad thing about, especially for next week's episode, is again, we're going to be talking about death, because I believe former Boston Bruin Bobby Schmotz did pass away, and I think he's a former St. Louis Blue, if I'm not mistaken, if you don't mind looking that up while I go into this next story. 
And again, we're going to be talking about Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby became he became the 36th player in NHL history and second in Penguins history to record 1300 points. Crosby also became the eighth fastest in league history to reach the milestone at 1017 games. Uh, Schmatz never played for the Blues. No, did he? Okay, I thought he had dead at some point. I know he played for like the Canucks. He played for the Bruins. He played for a couple other teams. Okay, I, for whatever reason, I thought he had played for the Blues as well. No, but this is very cool though that Crosby again. It's, he seems like he's good, kind of like Alexander Ovechkin. He's becoming such a regular now in top of the hour. So when he comes up, it's like, what more do you say at this point? Pretty much. Like, I think we're just gonna have to keep doing Crosby. Crosby watch on top of Ovi watch. And honestly, I hope Crosby has a lot of youth left in him because who knows how far ahead he would be if he hadn't lost those two seasons. And you know what? He's the perfect companion for Mary Lemieux because Mary Lemieux is the same way. Because he sat out the 95 season, he was injured quite a bit in the mid-90s. So you often... And and for the fact is that he retired for three years. like So you got to think how much more Mary Lemieux would have got out of his career if the injuries and cancer and the fact that he retired early had not stopped him. Yeah, no kidding. Colorado Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon became the eighth player in Avalanche history to record 200 goals. McKinnon, drafted first overall in 2013 by Colorado, recorded 10 goals, 25 assists for 35 points in 26 games at the time of the story. Another Halifax boy there, Tim, just yeah. like yourself and Sidney Crosby. Nathan McKinnon, I have to say, in terms of like the top five players in the league right now, I would even go as far, and maybe this is a bit of a hot take, I would go and say Nathan McKinnon's top three. I know a lot I don't of people think would... that's a hot take at all, dude. We're talking about a guy who enhances, whenever he steps on the ice, his team is... 20% better at getting pucks to the net and he finishes it he's an elite finisher like that's insane and the kid and the guy's 25 yeah well and the reason why I think I say it's a hot take because I know some people would totally disagree with me they would say because definitely like Nathan McKinnon not Nathan McKinnon McDavid is right there and maybe there's like one or two others there. And it always depends who you ask. Because you, you might get Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews. You know, you might get a number of players, right? And I, well, I don't think it's, I think it's, somebody might think it's a hot take. I don't think it is. I think Max is a top three player. So for me, but he's definitely one of those guys. If I have to say, for a hockey player that doesn't play for the Ottawa Senators, Nathan McKinnon's probably my favorite. I love that yeah. guy. I think he's a great hockey player. And the fact is that when you, when I first saw him come into the league, I was just like, I get that he's super young, but I'm just like, I didn't exactly know where Nathan McKinnon's ceiling was because you saw him early on and yeah, he was a good player, but that's as far as I would have gone. He was just a good player. No, I think Nathan McKinnon's elite. It took him a few years to kind of establish himself. And actually, not even, like, he was a phenom even in, like, 2013, 2014. And that's what allowed uh, Colorado to ship Duchesne out. And uh, that team's fortunes changed so much. And then uh, he went from being, good, like, really good at two, per, two points per hour to being 
phenomenal in 2017, 2018, and uh, he never took his foot off the goddamn accelerator, looking at sitting at like three to four points per hour of game time. That's insane. Yeah, like I would put Nathan McKinnon is definitely in the upper, upper echelon of NHL players. Like I'd put him above Austin Matthews, although Matthews is two years younger. Uh, Nikita Kucherov's up there too. Uh, yeah, no, I can't think of a lot of players that are strictly better than the Mac. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I think just from a skill set, but also the fact that he brings much more to the table, more than say a Matthews does, because Matthews doesn't bring that defensive side of his game. And we actually got to talk about another young phenom in the NHL. Edmonton Oilers forward Leon Dreisaitl has moved past Craig Simpson for 7th on the franchise goal list with 186. Dreisaitl, who is 24 goals shy of passing Paul Coffey for 6th, has recorded 18 goals, 32 assists for 50 points, and 34 games at the time of the story. Man, if only they could figure out their defense. Or, sorry, or even just get league average goaltending. That Edmonton team should... They should be like the Penguins. They've got their Crosby. They've got their they've got their Malkin on steroids. They should be just off to the freaking races. And that's the thing, right? Because it's a shame for a team that has the best player in the NHL today, and you have and you have Leon Dreisaitl, and you still can't make the playoffs. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because remember, was it not last year? Remember, like the year previous, eighteen, nineteen. Both of them had what, like a both had a hundred points, and they didn't even make the, they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's it's nuts. It is nuts for sure. Well, it's like they're getting a shade under league average goaltending, but yeah, just the defense needs to be better. Period. Carolina oh hurt. shit, the what? Oilers, speaking of enough, the Oilers actually beat the Leafs tonight. They were trailing uh, through most of the game, so that's that's going to move the table a bit. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Dougie Hamilton moved past Mark Howell for the longest point streak by defenseman in franchise history at 12 games. Hamilton has recorded three goals, 22 assists for 25 points in 31 games for Carolina at the time of this story. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's way past that now. I think he's at 16 games or something, 15 games. Something like that, yeah. But Dougie Hamilton continues to be elite. You know why that is? Carolina. Uh, Carolina doesn't have moxies. That's why. But, like, it's funny. Like, this is a... This is uh This is what a peak offensive defenseman looks like. Of course, Carolina is a fantastic puck possession and finish, and a pretty good finishing team to boot. And with fantastic goaltending, but Dougie Hamilton is excellent. Yeah, and it's amazing, right? Because I think he's on his third team throughout his career. Yeah, but it's almost, it's funny that Carolina is almost an island of, I don't want to call them misfit toys, because there's a lot of really good players on that team, but it's like there's players who sh- who get cast off from a bunch of other teams, like Nito Niederreiter is also there, mm-hmm. that then they're allowed to do their thing, and it turns out their thing was being really good at hockey. 
Yeah, it's kind of like the reverse of what the Sens do, where we have a bunch of guys that we've drafted, developed, and put on the ice, but yet they go elsewhere and they just sort of falter. Yeah. Unless you're Mark Stone. Still makes me sad. So the big news story out of this week, Tim, actually doesn't involve a player, a head coach, but it involves a referee. The, the NHL has removed referee Tim Peel from the officiating rotation permanently after he admitted to calling Nashville for a makeup call while on a hot mic during the Predators game versus the Detroit Red Wings on March 23rd. Peel has refed more than 1,400 NHL regular season and playoff games during his 21-year refing career. I don't know how the hell Tim Peel didn't get let go earlier because he's the only referee that I'm aware of who got suspended. Really? Yeah, because he met with Greg Wazimski for a beer to talk about uh, about hockey. Sorry, like his calls on the ice after... Uh, Wazinski used to criticize Peel very frequently on his Puck Daddy blog on Yahoo Sports. Mm-hmm. And the league's like, you can't do that. So Peel got suspended again. But it's like, yeah, Peel's wrapping has been questionable for a decade now. Like, that suspension I was talking about happened five years ago. Six years ago now, actually. Well, and the funny thing about this Tim Peel situation, Tim, and it actually brings up to light the fact that Probably one of, I don't want to say a, a terrible kept secret in the NHL, but it's a secret that's now being brought to light that the NHL's referees are calling makeup calls. Yeah. And this is something that, and I know Mark Mathot mentioned this on the Wally Mathot show, like, this is nothing new. That's the crazy thing about this. Like, this is nothing new to the NHL where the referees are calling makeup calls now because, you know, you want to, especially if you make a mistake, right? You're like, okay, I made a mistake here, I'll make a call like this. But I think... I, this is obviously not as big of a controversy as, say, probably 10, 15 years ago with the NBA referee scandal where they were betting on games. I think if Tim Peel was betting on games and was sort of throwing his officiating in favor of teams that he was betting for or against, okay, they would be like, yeah, like this is terrible. But the fact is that he's making a makeup call in a game it's kind of crazy. And the fact that this is being brought to light, but I love the fact that when I mentioned this to you, you're just like, it's amazing. He said the F word on TV and that's what got him fired. Yeah. Well, it's, the other thing about it is there was a lot of hand wringing on the Sportsnet panel after the firing where they basically just pointed out that the guy got scapegoated. Yeah. It's, I'm not actually sure what they can actually do to, if they want to get rid of makeup calls or that sort of thing, because referee discretion is always going to be part of officiating a game. I used to ref basketball Mm -hmm. and yeah, you got to use your discretion because you're not going to catch everything. You just got to catch the things that are the most important. You got to make sure it's like, yeah, you are catching the blatant stuff. Oh, hundred percent. And you're right. Like you can't call everything, but you have to make really good judgment calls and try and keep your attention. And it's like when you look at the Kerry Frazier moment from 93 where Gretzky high-staked Gilmore, he didn't see it. He didn't see it, and that's why he didn't call it. And Lee fans still bitch about it. And I guess it's funny that you brought up the NBA gambling scandal because the NHL 
about 10 years ago did have a gambling a gambling scandal that uh, both Wayne Gretzky and Rick Tockett were involved in, where they were throwing Coyotes games so that their buddies could bet against the Coyotes. I'm, I'm actually not sure how much of a line they were really making. Oh, Operation that. Slapshot. Slapshot, yeah. I'm not sure how much of a line they were actually making because the Coyotes were terrible anyway, so the, the odds wouldn't have been high. That is true, man. So, you know, we're talking about referee scandals and all that stuff. Now, we got to talk about something that's truly, truly the black eye of the NHL. The Buffalo Sabres. Oh, Jesus Christ. Now, I, I brought some music in. So, we're just going to quickly play this for the game. So... The Buffalo Sabres have set a new franchise record for most consecutive losses at 15. This is the second time in franchise history that the time the team has lost 14 or more straight, with the most recent dating back to 2014. This team, I, the music really fits. I'm not even gonna lie. Well, it's like somehow. Everything this team does goes wrong. Yep. Because honestly, I thought Taylor Hall was going to be a good addition. Same with Eric Stahl. They can't shoot straight. Taylor Hall can't even skate straight. Remember that time he took, he was skating down the ice and he got tripped up at the blue line because his legs gave up on him? Yeah, so it's like, I'm wondering if there's just absolute systemic issues going through that team because it's like, Rasmus Ristolainen has just been bad. The less is said about Casey Middlestat, the better. Uh, Jeff Skinner, his underlying numbers look good, but he's been exiled to the fourth line and can't score. Kyle Oposo, as soon as he got there, he lost his scoring touch. Uh, I feel so bad for Rasmus Dahlien. Even Jack Eichel. Even Eichel hasn't been super amazing this year. Yeah, it's like, at what? Then you look at the front office, and they just took their marketing guy and made him general manager. Honestly, I don't think he did a terrible job, to be honest. Like, he inherited Ralph Kruger. You can't blame him for that. Bringing in Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall on paper, good. they're good moves. It's just... I know. You know what? It still goes back to the Bagulas, man. Like they're they're so hands on with the Sabers that they're honestly dr- just dragging that team into the muck so badly. <clears throat> now it's funny when we talked about this on last week's episode because I actually got a DM from Adam, and so Adam reached out and he was talking about it, and he actually made a very valid point here. He was commenting here. He says, "Listening to the pod, I want to say that the." Bagulas are like the Illich family in Detroit. Mike Illich had tremendous success with the Red Wings while his Detroit Tigers had the worst records in team history at the same time. That is so perfect. That's a perfect representation of is Mr. I. He was so good with the Red Wings and the Tigers were shit. The Bagulas are the same way where the Bills are so good and the Sabres are shit. But not only because we're talking about Ralph Kirby. Oh my and God, in, the, in, in New York... Uh, why am I blanking on his name? On uh, the guy who owns MSG. Oh, the Rangers. James Dolan. James Dolan. The Rangers. They got absolutely everything they needed and were allowed to operate themselves. The Knicks are a fucking mess. 
the urinating tree video from a few years ago still holds up. That's the crazy thing. He's like Dan Snyder. He's just so unlikable with that team. Hey, so, his opening acts at Madison Square Gardens are actually pretty okay. So actually, now speaking about Adam, now he did mention, because we talked about Ralph Kruger, the Sabres also fired their in-house PA announcer. So apparently, from what Adam was telling me, and he's a he's more of a shock jock on a classic rock station in Buffalo. And I guess on one of the shows, he was discussing how dark his toast should be. And he was saying his toast at should his to he wants his toast at more of a Halle Berry as opposed to Serena Williams. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't And the Bagulas fired him for that. Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprising. That's that's just a weird comment. Like what the hell? I know. I, I really he, was he even black? I don't know. Oh god. I'm so done talking to this fucking team. I really am. I think we should just move on and talk about some other stories. Los Angeles Kings have re-signed Matt Roy to a three-year, $9.45 million contract with an AAV 3.15. Roy has recorded seven assists in 26 games at the time of this story. I've never heard of this player before, Tim. Have you? Uh, No. He looks okay. Apparently he's a second, uh, second, or he's a fourth defenseman in LA. So, yeah, good for him. No, and his underlying looks solid. So, not a terrible, not terrible numbers. Yeah. Now we are going to stick with the LA Kings because they are involved in our next story. San Jose Sharks forward Curtis Gabriel has been fined three thousand seventeen dollars and wait for it, Tim, twenty four cents. And here's my all time favorite. Set quote in this show's history, the maximum allowable under the CBA. And Sharks head coach Bob Bugner five grand after Gabriel Stock and Crosscheck LA Kings Curtis McDermott during the pregame warm-up on March 22nd. The Sharks organization has also been placed under probation until March of 2022, with any violation of said probation will result in a $25,000 fine and additional discipline. Wait, so this guy just went to town on somebody? In warm-up? Apparently what happened, I did see the clip, was that Gabriel was on the other side of the ice, because they had like the, the red line down the middle. He was coming, he was skating down the middle, he's skating down the middle, he sees an LA King guy, and he just cross-checks him in the back. What the fuck? I know, and he didn't go down or anything, he was just kind of chirping him, right? So, but, honestly, in all my years of watching hockey, this is probably the first time I've ever seen something like this happen, right? And, the more well-known of it was when Sean Avery was chirping Jason Blake when he played for the Leafs and Darcy Tucker jumped in. But yeah, I've never, ever heard of anybody being fined or anything for something like this. Well, it's like I've never heard of someone just taking like a blindside cheap shot at someone during warm-up. Because like even the, the Jason Blake one, Sean Avery was making fun of him for having cancer. So godless, man. So godless. Yeah. So we've actually got to talk about another fine. Now, given that we are on the National Podcast Network, Tim, our podcast founder, Daniel Ash, is a big fan of our next person we're going to talk about. Philadelphia Flyers defenseman Samuel Moran has been fined $3,017 and, wait for it, 24 cents, the maximum allowable under the CBA for an unsportsmanlike conduct flight on New York Rangers forward, Brendan Lemieux. Moran has nine penalty minutes and five games for Philadelphia, at the time of the story. 
I got nothing to really comment. I saw it. It was just like, oh. Okay. There's nothing I could really add to that, Tim, to be honest with you. Yeah. Other than, yeah, I guess it was an all right five. Yeah. So we're going to close out top of the air by talking about some trades. Now, we really haven't talked a ton about trades this season, Tim, given that COVID-19 and everything going on. Again, we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Sabres. Because the Buffalo Sabres have traded Eric Stahl to the Montreal Canadiens for a 2021 third and fifth round draft pick. Stahl recorded three goals, seven assists for 10 points in 32 games for Buffalo this season. You know, if it wasn't for everything being kind of shit in Buffalo right now, I'd be very critical of a GM not being able to get a second for Eric Stahl. Because he's a guy who could still play good minutes. I think this is a really good pickup for Bergevin, and uh, it was good, basically dumpster diving at this point. Well, and I know that I was watching Melanie Martin. She's a big Sabres fan on YouTube. And I know she was commenting that there were some Sabres fans that were like, oh, yeah, we might get a fourth or whatever for him. But the fact is that, hey, that's not bad. Like, the fact they got a third and a fifth, yeah, yeah you're not going to get a second-round pick for him. But the fact that they got a third and a fifth for him is pretty good. And honestly, I do like this move for Montreal because it gives them a really, really good bottom six center for a potential playoff run. Yeah. Well, it's like, I actually don't mind Montreal's top nine. Like, it's pretty solid, all things considered, with uh, Thomas Tatar really rounding into form. Josh, that Josh Anderson trade really worked out. I mean, it's definitely working better than the uh, Line A trade right now. Oh, yeah. Oof. And, like, you have to remember that right now, Tyler Toffoli and Jesperi Kotekameni are out. So when those guys get healthy and... uh, uh, Tyler Toffoli's day for day that's going to be a really solid uh, team that like a pretty solid forward core that Montreal is going to be able to assemble so we got we're, so we're moving to our final story for top of the hour and it's funny that we actually talked about this guy a few minutes ago here Tim talking about the Samuel Moran find because New York Rangers have traded Brendan Lemieux to the Los Angeles Kings for a 2021 fourth round pick Lemieux has recorded two goals five assists for seven points in 31 games for New York this season I'm not a big fan of Brendan Lemieux no yeah I think he's supposed to be like kind of a tough defensive player but I don't really see it he just comes across as a below average fourth liner I think he was better in Winnipeg but ever since coming across New York, it just hasn't really looked good. Is it just maybe New York's deployment uh, deployment of him in New over Winnipeg's, or what do you think it is? Uh, I don't know that. Because like, I guess he had like one good season, like one pretty good possession season in Winnipeg. But other than that, not too much. No. Yeah, so I can definitely see uh, New York just cutting bail and running. Yeah, the fact that they got a draft pick for him. And you know what? Like, honestly, with this move, I, I and I guess we'll talk about it next week with Christian Willan becoming an LA King. So I can kind of see that, and given that they traded away a depth piece as well. So I don't have much to comment on it. Good for them. Yeah. 
Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to talk about the games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the two games between the Flames and the Sens and the Battle of Ontario, Leafs versus Senators in Ottawa. So, Tim, this would be the time of the episode where I would say, let's hit the music. But we're instead going to take a really quick break here in the Third Line Plug Sensecast, and we will return to talk about the games. Coming right back. Hey, everybody, this is Jackson Schwann from New Era Sense, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Okay, Tim, it's time to start talking about some games. Now, before we get to talking about this game, I actually got to give a quick shout out to a friend of mine I work with, Katrina. Katrina is a big Calgary Flames fan, and we were talking at work last week about this game because we were talking about, because Gustafsson was a four-string goalie coming in to play for us, and she was giving me shit. She's like, haha, like, yeah, there's no way that, you know, you know, we will lose your four-string goalie. And if I if we lose your four string goalie, I'll owe you a case of beer. So, what kind? Sleeman's honey brown. Damn. Flames versus Senators. This is a two to one Senators victory. Flames goals are scored by Johnny Goudreau. Sens goals are scored by Ryan Dezingle and Chris Tierney. Shots were 36-23 for Calgary. Ryan Dezingle opens the scoring to make it one nothing Ottawa. Johnny Goudreau gets Calgary on the board to tie the game at one, coming off the bench. And Chris Tierney scores to make it 2-1 Senators, which would be the final. So, I had to condense watch this one, obviously because we were recording last week's episode. Let's start talking about the man of the hour who's too sweet to be sour. Philip Gustafsson, 35 saves, .972 save percentage in his first NHL game. He came up huge for Ottawa in this game. Well, yeah... The Ottawa's Dezingle scores, and then Ottawa basically falls asleep until Tyranny scores the game winner. Like, I don't know how else to really describe this game. Yeah. I mean, and that's the funny thing. For this game, like, it was really hard to come up with stuff to talk about. Because, honestly, for me, it was like, Gustafsson was good. Dezingle, Tyranny scored. That was it. Yeah, it was a pretty... Even though Calgary got 36 shots, 
most of them were from the outside. And Ottawa just didn't get many shots at all. It was just a low-effort, kind of boring game. That yeah. I think Calgary was the better team and probably should have won. But at the same time, if you can't outwork and score on the fourth... Well, actually, no, Gustafson played a fantastic game, but after these two games, you really have to start looking at the Calgary Flames and after like this year's performance, last year's embarrassment at the hands of Dallas, uh, the sweep by Colorado the year before, you got to take a hard look at the Calgary Flames because like they're tied with Vancouver and two points back at Montreal, but Montreal's only played 31 games. Yeah, but I think those kind of comments, I think they were already being made last year after the playoffs. And I know you and I talked about that too because it just seemed like what's really going to change? Is Monaghan going to be traded? Is Goudreau going to be traded? It was really just one of those things that it was just like, okay, where does Calgary go from here? And obviously they made some moves with obviously bringing all those ex-Canucks. And Markstrom, from what I was talking to Katrina, like, Markstrom didn't play bad for Calgary up until he got hurt, and then he's just trying to find his game again. Yeah. And honestly, he didn't play terribly in this one either. Like, this, it's a respect, 91% save percentage, and the shots that he gave up to Ottawa were from prime, prime locations. Mm-hmm. It was a Yaleman's effort. Yeah. I think the only thing we could really talk about for this game, after the game ended... Rasmus Anderson picked up the puck at the end of the game, got confronted by Brady, so he throws it back into the play, and then Matthew Dechuk decides to shoot it across the ice. Eh, it's not like Brady hasn't done shit like that before. No, and I know that they've asked uh, Anderson about that, and Anderson just said, point blank, he's just like, I didn't think anything of it. It's just like a heat in the moment, he just picked it up and whatever. Yeah. I don't know, I'm glad that. I'm glad Gustafson got his puck. So do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the second game of the evening? No. Flames versus Senators. This is a 3-1 to one Senators victory. Flames goals are scored by Mark Giordano. Sens goals are scored by Josh Norris, Chris Tierney, and Nikita Zaitsev. Shots were 31-29 for Ottawa. Mark Giordano opens the score to make it 1-0 Calgary with a shot from the point. Josh Norris gets Ottawa on the board to tie the game at 1 in the slot. Chris Tierney scores to make it 2-1 again in the slot to clean up the rebound. And Nikita Zaitsev scores on the empty net to make it 3-1 Ottawa, which would be the final. So this is a game, again, I had to condense watch this, and I think the reason why I condensed watch it is because it happened on Wednesday and All Elite Wrestling was on that night. So I was like, all right, you know what, I'll go home and watch that. Instead, I'll come back and watch the Sens game. And then just because it... I had a super, super busy week at work. I just didn't get around to watching the game after that. So we're going to start off again with the man that we talked about in the last game, Philip Gustafson. 28 saves, a .966 save percentage, held the fort down for Ottawa. Now the one comment <coughs> excuse me, I want to make on this is that Philip Gustafson's play in these two games, they're now forcing Ottawa's hand to play him and Joey Decord over Matt Murray. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's what you like to see. Because Gustafson, and even in the next game where the save percentage wasn't as high as the previous two, 
sorry, even the next game with Forsberg really picked up the ball and ran with it too. Like, uh, with the young guys coming in, they've played some, they at least played the show me games. So, yeah, I'm happy. Uh, this is a game where it was a game that had lulls and peaks, and you could tell that both teams had played the night before. It was sloppy, grimy hockey. Yeah, and that's the one thing I noticed even the condensed game was that it was not a great game by Ottawa. The third period, I think that's where the Sens really came alive, just potting goals left and right. And I think we should start talking about the goals. Nikita Zaitsev, with his first goal of the season on one shot, I don't know about you, I honestly thought he had already scored this season. I didn't even realize that was his first one. Well, it's funny because remember how he was on that point streak to begin the season? Yep. Yeah, all assists. I know, right? And maybe it's because it's been, you know, two months or almost three months now, I guess, since those games happened. I honestly thought that he had scored. So to see that he hadn't scored yet, I was like, wow, really? Nikita Zaitsev hasn't scored yet? And it was a funny goal just off, like, a really weird broken play. Didn't he just score in the empty net, though? Yeah, but it was just, like, broken-ass play. So, the only other player I want to talk about in this game, Chris Tierney. One goal on three shots. You know, for the comments that you made about Chris Tierney, I believe it was last week or the week previous about Tierney's play, it is kind of nice to see that he has found his scoring touch in front of the net in this game. Yeah, and it's interesting because even uh, DJ Smith was saying, if you're not gonna sh- if you're not shooting, you're not scoring. And he's, he's shooting more and he's picking better spots, honestly. Because, like... Both of his goals in the last two games that we're talking about here, and a lot of his efforts are coming from, again, prime real estate. So the game notes I want to mention this in the condensed game that I saw was that both teams had a bunch of chances in this game that either hit the post or went wide on the goalie. And I, th- I have to feel how different those games would this game would have been if those chances had gone in. Yeah, maybe Ottawa would be a bit closer to a draft. Actually, no, nobody's getting close to that number one pick. No. Buffalo has that sucker locked up. I know. They figured that out when they got Taylor Hall. Oh, shit, you're right. I know, right? It's so crazy to think. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe Buffalo was smart this whole time. Maybe they figured that they were going to have a shit season, so they figured, fuck it, go after Taylor Hall. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm also running out of great things to say about uh, Josh Norris. Yeah. That goal, but, like the passing, just getting the puck out of the zone and him and Dadnov getting that into scoring position was just beauty play. And it's funny because, like, yeah, we didn't bring Dadnov in to be a playmaker, but that guy's got playmaking eyes. Because he's working behind the net, sees he's got this very small lane with Norris, who's ready, gets it right to Norris' stick, where Norris just gets that sucker into the net. It's awesome. So, I don't have any comments about this game. If you just went off into the Battle of Ontario episode for today. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Tim. Now, before we go into that, i got to ask a big favor. Tim, if you want to see me talk about this next game... Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, I forgot this was the rest of the episode. 
Leafs versus Senators. This is a 3-2 Leafs overtime victory. Leafs goes scored by Ilya Mekinov, Jason Spezza, and Justin Hull in overtime. Sens goes scored by Connor Brown and Alex Formanton. Shots were 41-31 for Toronto. A somewhat game overall. Both teams played play varied in the first two periods before Toronto took over the third and the overtime, securing the W. So, you know, these last... <coughs> fuck me. The last two games we were talking about, Philip Gustafson, we've got to talk about another goalie. A fifth-string goalie who has not played a game in over a year, and we almost won this game. Anton Folgerbrick, 38 saves, .927 save percentage, first start as a senator, I actually thought he played really well in this game against Toronto. Yeah, you could definitely tell that the Sens' legs were gone in that third period. And uh, I feel really bad for Thomas Chabot clocking in 30 minutes this game after two long games in Calgary. Anton Forsberg played great. It's a shame that he got victimized in the extra frame by just a really unfortunate mistake by Thomas Chabot. Well, and the funny thing about this game, Tim, is that you're talking about Shabbat. I feel so... I, I agree. I feel so bad for him because there was that one play... I think he got called for slashing where legit he just skated and he just dived and he swung a stick. That's a play I've never thought I'd ever see Shabbat try and do. Yeah. That's a play of desperation right there. Well, it's just like the, it's a guy who's been run into the ground and uh, like the thing is it's just your fourth pairing is uh, Co- Brown, and- Brown and Coburn. I-, I don't think you can give them 15 minutes a night to at least take some of the work off Shabbat. Like, I'm sure you could probably give Zubin Riley 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. And give... Uh, sh- maybe give uh, Josh Brown and Coburn two, three more minutes and just get Shabbat down to 25. Because, yeah... He- I'm glad. One of the things I'm really happy about in this game is that DJ Smith went to bat for Shabbat. Because, yeah, he's absolutely right. They The Sens don't get to overtime without Thomas Shabbat. No. And for the first two periods, I really liked the way that the Sens were moving the puck. They look like they look good against this Maple Leafs team. Actually, one thing that I really liked that DJ Smith assembled and kept together was the Dezingle Bishop Formanton line. Sneaky good. It's a sneaky good line in Ottawa right now. Well, that thing has... That line has wheels, my dude. I know. Like, Bishop is... Like, both Bishop and Formanton are crazy fast. And Dezingle's no slouch either. Like, when those guys get the puck, they're gone. And they're pretty damn good at breaking the puck out, too. So, like, yeah, when those three tic-tac-toed for a goal, it was just like, yeah, that's what we're looking at today. One guy I definitely want to talk about, Brady Tuchuk, who had six shots in this game. And this is a guy that, again, we've talked about this in the past, about him being snake-bitten, and this is yet another game that he's very snake-bitten. Well, at the same time, you got to give Jack Cannon credit. He played a damn good game. Mm-hmm. Even though I think Toronto had the edge in shot attempts in this game, Ottawa's chances, like, sorry, both teams' chances were just right up front center. 
like neither team's defense did that whole clearing people out of the way thing. But I think for a team that just played three three games in four nights, I think Ottawa they can feel really proud proud of what they're able to do, including a getting a shorty against the Maple Leafs power play. So, excuse me, the only two other notes I have on this game, again, I'm going back to Ottawa's reverse retro jersey, which they wore in this game. I'm still not a fan. And for me, I think when you see that on the wide shots in this game, you, it just looks really odd looking. Like, there's, it just looks like, and I think it's because it's the color of the red with the black numbering. I think that's, it's very off-putting because... It just looks like it's smudged. It doesn't look like there's anything on there. And I think if it was like, if the lettering was say white with like a gold outline, I think that would look really sharp on those jerseys and really pop. But the funny thing is, that even though I I rag on it on the white shots, on the close-ups, the jerseys don't look that bad. And I'm kind of fine with that. But again, I'm still not completely sold on it. Two, two more things I want to talk about, and this is on the game notes I have. Of course, we've talked about the Tim Peel stuff in top of the hour. Did you notice that the referee in this game, he grabbed his mic on his jersey talking to Wayne Simmons in the third period? No, but that's funny. Yep. Yeah, since Twitter picked up on that, man. That was such a cool thing. And the other cool thing, and I don't know if you noticed this, when the Senators went on the power play, yeah. Alex played down with a sickness by Disturbed. Damn, we we early two thousands in here. I know, I know, right? And it's so weird because we went from having tsunami to down with a sickness. <laughs> I'm glad we are buying into the sickos. Well, the fact is that Alex plays sicko mode by Travis Scott, like before the first puck drop in the game, so that's really cool. And then he does Shepherds of Fire by Avenged Sevenfold in either the second or third periods, which are which is like a really cool song. I'm not gonna lie, so. That's really all the comments I got in this game, Tim. Uh, I guess the last comment is neither of these goalies had any luck handling the puck. No. Like, especially Jack Campbell. Both times he came out to play the puck, he got absolutely victimized. Like, both the times he got victimized were him coming out to play the puck, especially the Connor Brown goal. Oh, my God. The shorty, yeah. Yes. But to be fair, the Maple Leafs power play they should not have been in a pitch situation where Tyranny could forecheck that hard. That he basically forced Connor Brown, forced the puck to Connor Brown. You know, the best thing about that, though, Tim, I was talking to Katrina about that, because uh, when Markstrom passed it to Batherson against the, against the Flames, is that I was laughing. I said, hey, it's nice to see that Markstrom's not the, not the only guy that passes it right to the Sens. Yeah, no but that's not fair because it bounced off tyranny and then came out. That's a, that's a play. That that's that's a gimme. Like you're not gonna miss those kind of chances. Uh, Connor Brown might the way his season's been going. That's not true. What if he was Eric Condra? Damn, you're right. You're right. So Tim, I don't have any more comments in this game. If you want to head off into the close for another evening, uh, no. But I think in general, I'm pretty happy with the way the Suns have played these past few games. And, yeah, I really hope that uh, poor Tom Shabbat can get maybe a little less ice so he can catch a breather. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I 
Love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter at Third Lane Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8 WATE Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the R, or the fact that both of us kind of forgot that this is the Third Lane Plug is War edition of the Third Lane Plug Setscast. Choose an email, thirdlikeplugsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, we actually got some games coming up this week, and as it currently stands, these games will be played. They're both gets to the Montreal Canadiens Thursday at home versus Montreal, and Saturday we will be playing Le Canadien in Montreal. If they don't get postponed. But the thing is, for all of our listeners out there, even if the games get postponed, Tim and I are still going to be coming back next week. We're still going to have top of the hour. We're still going to be talking about all kinds of cool stuff. It's just going to be a much, much more shorter episode. Yeah. It'll still be a good one. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys. Woo!